Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by a special guest, David Henning of Drifter Style. He is the subject of our editor's choice in the January 2023 issue and it's a little bit different this time out because, David, you're not a hollier. No. Um, but you've moved <laughs> in. You set, up, you set up your business, was it last year? 2021? Believe it or not, it's actually in Thursday this week. I'm two years. Two in, years, in 2020. Yeah. So, uh, aye, yeah. Well, tell us um, uh, a bit about uh, your company, Drifter Style. Drifter Style, that's it. Uh, so, we, as you've said before, uh, before there, I was a, a truck driver and then it led into the truck cleaning business. Uh, we're now, I would say, pretty unique in the fact that we're the only one really in the UK and Ireland that is, you know, fully commercialized for custom polishing. Anybody can clean a truck, but not just to the standard where, where, where I go, purely on the basis of, I always had that vision to get to where I was now. Beforehand, I always, I never thought there would have been the business platform for it there. Mm-hmm. And it obviously grew to what it is now and it's growing more and more. And, that's where I, I had a five-year. I have a five-year plan, and it's going according to plan. The, the, I think we were we were just. I, I, I got the timing perfectly right, and uh, I, I think that when you look at it, the UK market for trucks and Ireland, we've always you know Ireland's always been the big V eight and the bling and the, and the loud noises, and the UK has always been synonymous with uh, traditional paint jobs and stuff. So there was always that pride within the. the trucking community UK and Ireland wide and my father himself always kept a clean tidy truck so again I never thought that there would have been the business there but there was always that pride there and there was always that part of me was like I would love to open a business where I'd be cleaning trucks now that we're there I think it's only going to grow, you know what I mean? I don't think it's going to uh, diminish in any way, you know? Yeah, well, you get a lot of companies that do sort of detailing services and valeting services, but they tend to be orientated around cars and sort of smaller vehicles. That, that's right, that's right. And, and a lot of the, the, the car world, especially the detailing side, uh, they focus much more on paint. But that's a completely different paint to what we're working with in trucks. Now, there is trucks out there that are lacquered, but for the most part, they're two-pack paint. And that's a much harder paint to get a, a proper finish on. And that, that's fine. That's, that's uh, not part of the problem. But the problem is you can clean a cab of the truck and the rest of the truck's dirty, in my opinion. So therefore, you have to go and do the whole package. And that starts with the roof to the bumper, from the bumper to the taillights. And that includes a chassis. And we all know sometimes what way a chassis can get, but also, you know, with our roads in the wintertime, the salt and whatever else have you, we've got very narrow roads over here. Again, that gives a lot of damage to chassis underneath and the side and wheels and stuff. So there's much more to it than just the paint, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a whole different, different set of um, materials, I would imagine, that, that you need in equipment to get in a boat and... Uh, get into things like chassis and of course you've got chrome and things as well which you don't get on cars so that's it, correct it's um a, a completely different ball game when you're looking at sort of uh, cleaning trucks so when you started out i mean did you always have like a passion for like keeping like you said your dad had a uh, always kept a tidy truck 
when you were like sort of um, growing up and things, when you were like trying to like help out and clean stuff and everything, did you always like to, you know, we'll start off, how did you get into uh, driving and everything to begin with? Back to there, and then how did it progress sort of getting to, you know, where, where you are now? So basically my dad was a, a, a truck driver, still is a truck driver. You know, as a child in the 80s, you, you got your job on a Saturday and my job was to clean the truck. I I used to love it, you know what I mean? I, I really did love it. You'd, you'd get the pledge out or the Mr. Sheen or Son of a Gun, whatever it is. You get the old school Hoover and you'd Hoover it out and you'd see the the merits of your work at the end of it. You know, you'd, you'd take a truck that my dad was away on all week or whatever it is and you'd clean it and tidy it. And then when you, when you would take him out for the inspection, the even time, you would see, or you would, you, would, you could smell the, the Mr. Sheen or the pledge or whatever you had used at that time. And, and that, that just really made me feel good about doing something A for my dad, but I also could see something that I did myself. So, then that really got the passion going for the lorries, you know, for, for the trucks and everything about trucks. And we're coming from a time where, you know, especially over here, not so much in the UK, but we had a clear customs. Uh, so I got to see uh, trucks every day whenever I was with my dad. And then they moved the customs point from where I live in Newry here, from the Dublin Road in Newry to right behind my house. So I had a bird's eye view every day of these these trucks coming in, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking one, four, three, four, seventies, uh, F12, 400s. We're talking even, you know, 2800 DAFs, 3300 DAFs, all the old stuff, all the old stuff. And, um, you know, even 1644 marks, even before the 48 came out and stuff like that, 420 turbo stars, all this carry on, you know what I mean? And then, especially if a, if a truck came from the company, I remember one time speaking with a, a Danish uh, driver and he had an Amstrad computer in the truck and I only knew maybe three or four people who had Amstrad computers at the time and this guy had one in the truck and I just thought this was amazing to see and you know it really cemented the, the, the vision for the future that I wanted to become a truck driver and be involved in the trucking world obviously with with my dad being the truck driver then you want to emulate what he's doing also and the, the company that he worked for at the time was WD O'Neill Haulage, no longer with us, sadly. But the drivers that he drove with were, were you know, you hear that that statement, the band of brothers and stuff like that there. But them boys were really a band of brothers. Like, they were so obliging to each other. They helped each other. You know what I mean? They, they went above and beyond for each another. And, you know, today you look at it, and that seems such an alien thing to say where people helped each other out right? because it's becoming almost now, instead of helping somebody out, they'll pull the phone out and they'll start filming somebody trying to reverse into a bay. You know what I mean? Stuff like that really annoys me about today's standards. But I suppose to get back to what you, you had asked me about um, how I got into it. So then I obviously came of age where I started to drive. Then, you know, I always, as a child growing up, I was like, I can't wait to get my first truck. And my first truck for whatever reason, I always thought it was going to be an F-16. Sadly, that never, <laughs> that's never came about. But my first truck was uh, an FM Volvo Globetrotter for Sloan Transport. And I, 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 I absolutely adored the truck. And they, give, they gave it to me in a really good spec with uh, cool wheels, deep tanks, and really, really nice truck. The guy had, uh, the, who had it before me looked after it, and the boss's son, Kenny actually had the 
truck at the start. So we put the, remember the old school velvet blue interior and the seats and the door cards and the curtains and all of it. It, it, was, it was my dream. It was just a dream for me. And then to, to be given this truck and then to be let loose on cleaning it. I just went, you know, from top to bottom, front to back. And especially at that time, there was very few people doing it. I mean, that I knew over here, you had, uh, you had uh, Willie Hearn, WJ Hearn Transport. You had Robbie Carmichael. Uh, there was a guy called Ronnie Hearn, uh, Hearn, sorry, uh, and the Mulgrew boys. And uh, there was a couple of boys down south and stuff like that had it. But there was very few per se had had uh, alcohol wheels and, and light bars and stuff. So them trucks really stuck out, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stick out in that. And then it just went from there. Then you know each truck I got, I kept cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And then somebody asked me to clean their truck one time, and I remember I didn't want to do it, and I gave them a price which I thought was ridiculous. And they said, yeah, no bother. And I remember doing it and going, that was easy money. You know what I mean? Not, to, not that it was easy money. To, to, it's never easy money when you're valid in the truck because there's so much responsibility there. But it was very much, you know, I, I, I was surprised that they just said, yes, no problem. So then I was like, okay, if I'm going to charge a premium price, I have to give a premium product. And and that's how I ended up going to where I am now. Premium price, premium product, customer lifts the truck, and they're happy. And that is the main thing for me. They are happy every time. Not not just for the blingy ones. I'm talking for the ones that come in that are might be a little bit rougher than the next one or one that comes in with no bars or anything like that. Actually, I have a beautiful truck in just this morning. And you're going to love it, Doogie, because it's a 560 Iveco. It was owned by the British police for filming people, uh, you know, while driving. It's 22,000, uh, I say 22,000 kilometers or miles on it. So it's in for a full overhaul. And I, I, I love doing that truck as much as I love doing the the big ones you know what i mean the big ones with the bling and the bars and the the stacks and the 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 wheels and stuff like that if there's a little bit of heritage involved in it or i can see the owner has a real passion for it that will drive me on more than it will the bling and the pipes When you were driving, you went through um, a few different companies and a few different trucks. I remember I actually met you one day in Livingston when you were um, dropping some off. I think you were driving for Mulgrew at the time. That's right. Um, it's obviously yeah. you spent a, you spent a, a good few years out on the road driving. Yeah, yeah. I've been driving since uh, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, yeah, driving since nineteen ninety nine. Oh, a few years before that, I can remember my dad. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We were driving down the road one day, and uh, he would have had the F10 intercooler at the time. And he just pulled the truck on the side of the road, and he says, "Right, boy, it's time you learn how to drive out the road." I'd been driving in the yards and in the docks and stuff. I knew how to to to, to do the thing. But we were on the main N2 from Dublin to Slain, and I don't know if you've ever been through Slain, but. Slain as a steep hill down and an incredibly steep hill up the far side. 
and we were fully loaded and, and, and I can remember going oh Jesus Christ if I miss a gear here what am I going to do and he's like you'll be fine you'll be fine you'll be fine you'll be fine so I can remember that day coming up the hill in, uh, in Slane and I just thought I was the king of the world because I had got all my half gears right no problem and but those things it takes to make you a driver you need that fear. You need that that uh, that teacher beside you. And I think the, the business nowadays is at a loss because kids can't go with their dads. I mean, I, I, you you will know if you're with your dad in a truck at 14, you will know much more than any man starting into a business at say 25 who's just got their test through job, career change or whatever it is. It's it's as simple as that. You know, I knew how to rope and sheet, chain loads, uh, tie down loads, tie down machinery, whatever it is, you know, to 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 give way for wear and turn the road for, you know, like to take a load of, say, you know, IBC tanks full of stuff. There's ullage going to happen there. You know, you have to wait for that. Yeah, it might look like a flat load inside a curtain center. But you know yourself, whenever you come to a T-junction, it's going to push you on if, you, if you're coming flying up that heavy the brakes. But you're going to know that if you're a child with your father, you know, or your mother nowadays, you know what I mean? So uh, I think the, 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 the industry's worse off for not letting that happen. Oh, absolutely. As we've mentioned that a couple of times in the podcast previously, and I'd mentioned it in the magazine as well. And I was thinking, you know, there needs to be some sort, you know, because you keep getting the same old campaigns every year for like love the lorry and and, and stuff. Like yeah. That. So, well, there kind of needs to be something done to allow kids to get back into the cabs with trucks. I mean, obviously, I think because it came down to health and safety, and but and I'm like, well, okay then. Well, why don't can companies not come on board and potentially be a bit more organised with it, so you know who's going out in the cab and when. And where they're going to be, Absolutely. and make sure they've got appropriate PPE, and where yeah. they're going knows what's happening, and just make it like organised, so they're yeah. able to do that, so they can go out during the holidays. And there's no valid reason why you shouldn't be able to go and do that, because that it does that. So, so many drivers grew up with that, and they got such a a good. Uh, um, unofficial apprenticeship from learning all That's those right. things because you're like a sponge at that age as well and I do wonder like like you said when you were growing you were growing up and you were a kid you could see all these trucks from the house are, are kids as interested in mechanical sort of stuff these these days because I was like obsessed with it as well I grew up in a building site so there were JCBs and excavators and tipper trucks get in all the time and I had all the, the toys, the Fisher Price and the Tonka trucks and everything like that. And I'm thinking, well, that kind of stuff's universal. All this stuff still goes on. But I'm like, are kids as, are little kids as interested in that in that stuff these days? And they're just not getting the opportunity to sort of be, so to, to utilise it for for anything. I don't, I, I don't know, because you, you just pick up, you're just a sponge. You pick up everything. Like, I would memorise you'd know all the badges of the trucks and know what model they all were. And for other reason, it's because your brain likes that stuff. So your brain will let you learn it really easily. It's not like at school where you really had to think and try to drive <laughs> stuff into your brain that you didn't want to learn. Whereas you could memorize, you could memorize every single model of truck out there and every, all the configurations of it and reel them all off. I'm sure a lot well, of th- people listening to this will have been exactly the same. I think I think you've you've you touched on something there that, that kids, you know what I mean, they are sponges. And that I've always thought of for that very reason, 
that trucks should be brought into primary schools. If if you've got a a, a kid in the school whose dad's a, a truck driver, bring the truck in. Let the kids walk around the truck. Let them inside the truck, and that might spark something in a kid. Oh, I would love to be a truck driver. I mean, I think it's Sweden where you can start your apprenticeship from high school and that takes you right through uh, and you go straight from your high school into college, into university, all whilst driving a truck. So you get your test, you do everything, you know, and I don't understand. They keep on talking about um, shortage of drivers. Well, there's a perfect environment to start a kid off especially now where there's much more females coming into the game and i mean i'm all on for females coming into the game because most of the girls that i know they're all really good drivers and they're all really solid people they do their job well they, they present their paperwork well ever what's not like you know what i mean what's not well, like exactly there are some really formidable um female drivers out there who would um be able to sort of outdrive and outgun the majority uh, guys out there, and a lot of them grew up going out in the truck with their parents. That's right, as well. And I was kind of, I was kind of hoping as well because there's an ongoing problem with facilities and things being manky and all that. And I thought, well, if we had more women in the industry, they're less likely to, you know, put up with that shit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Funny. I mean, that was that was the one one of the things that I that that really made me. It made it very easy to leave the game was the facilities. Over here, it's actually not that now. When I say it's not that bad, I'm saying it's not that bad in comparison to some of the places that I've, I've seen online in, in England and stuff like that, you know. But I mean, if if showers were there for the general public, there's no way, there would be absolutely no way that it would be accepted. The the state that the showers are in. The, the lack of hygiene and cleaning them. The person that is cleaning the shower is getting paid buttons. So therefore, they've got no desire to, to keep that clean. And there's a man coming in at 10 or 11 o'clock at night after a 15-hour day, and he's trying to get cleaned and tidied, and he's standing in his own water that he's just showered in. Oh, it, you know, oh. block drains and, and, and toilets absolutely disgusting. It, it is something that needs to be overhauled. You know, I remember you did the campaign with it there a couple of years ago and I, th- I thought it gained a bit of ground and it was going to go somewhere, but... No, it was, it, it kind of did, it was a disgraceful behaviour when the COVID pandemic came in. Oh. And there's a lot, now that we've got a bit of distance at it now, there's people kind of turning, looking back, and, you know, the behaviour of a lot of people and a lot of organisations across the world was really disgraceful and it, towards, you know, your, your fellow man. And I've, the way yep. the truck drivers were ostracised and banned from places and they didn't want them in. And there's still some of these portable toilets are still, like, lurking about in places. But I'd give it... See, if you go into... If you happen to go in to deliver to a place and there's a portable toilet sitting there, don't assume that that's the only toilet in the premises. Some of these places have just left them there because the, yeah. the drivers will use them. If you go in and actually yeah. ask... Where's your toilets? They'll go and direct you two hundred yards away, and there'll be a, a perfectly immaculate set of facilities. But they're sneaky. They yeah. Leave a manky portable one out, the, out, out yeah. there, and that's what you think is the only thing that's there. But, uh, yeah. No, I, 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 I just, uh, you've got enough to deal with. 
in a daily uh, chores of a driver, whether it be traffic, whether it be sometimes grumpy traffic planners or 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 even fork men or whatever it is, without having to deal with you know dirty rotten facilities, whether it be a shower or a mm-hmm. toilet, you know. Yeah, it's funny. No. Like, I mean, I don't drive. Obviously, I only period. I get out to drive. Well, I'm hoping I'll be doing a lot more next year. But you know, I get out for like a week at a time, and I've got to demonstrate another. And so there's gaps between. You know, maybe driving one week out the month, best case scenario at the moment. But then I go out and, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, between between the periods of lorry driving and all that, I, I go through these long periods of where I'm not spoken to, like I'm. A, some sort of scumbag, you know. Yeah, I'm not spoken yeah. down to. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, why are people behaving less towards me? I was like, oh yeah, I'm driving a lorry at the moment. That's why I, yeah. I've gone from being doogie, you know, I've gone to being a person yeah. with a name to driver. <laughs> it's, uh... I, I've always, I've always wondered, I, 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 and I've said this to my colleagues uh, in the past who had, we drove together, and you know, we all knew the the hot spots for bad manners and stuff. And I always said, you know, how has it got to whatever product you're taking to, to this business? How has it got to the salesman who has been perfectly nice to the customer and the customer has been perfectly nice to the haulage company? Can you take that product to my place? And then as soon as it gets from the, from the dispatcher or the fork man to the lorry man, it's just pure ignorance. Pure ignorance and disrespect. I mean, I've had some ridiculous encounters with with people to the point of where you know where I'm standing there ready to fight. And and you know, I, my my dad said, "You're there for career. You're not there for conflict." And I thought that was a brilliant way to put it because you're you're not there for conflict. No, you know it, what I mean? It is difficult, and it's yeah, like you see, you get hot spots. And it usually drips down from wherever it is. It'll be like a toxic sort of culture that drips down from the manager because you get branches or like depots of places where one's bad and you go yeah. to the other one and they can't be any more friendly towards you. And That's true. And, That's true. And, but but the, other, the other places and all that, they're like, they're like, you know, snarling and grumpy and they're like, you know, no, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm here to deliver the goods for your company that, you know, if you didn't have them, you wouldn't have a business, you know. You, yeah, work, in a, right. you work in a warehouse driving a forklift. This is your job. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I, I remember, what else were you going to be doing? <laughs> I remember, I, uh, I'll, I'll not name the companies, but uh, we were the port staff in the, where the check you onto the boat. And on this side, in Northern Ireland, like, you know, I mean, they must have a degree on being rats. Like, you know, they, they, they just are ridiculous. And I remember getting off in Scotland, coming up, doing whatever I had to do, Aberdeen, Glasgow, wherever, and back down to the boat. And I was, you sort of have to get yourself mentally prepared for the bad manners as you're, as you're pulling up to the hatch. And I pulled up and I put the window down and I was like, hello, how you doing? And this wee Scottish man goes, hello, how are you? And I was like, not too bad. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that this man was talking to me in a normal <laughs> normal way. And uh, he was like, just down there, driver, go you through, do whatever you have to do, and I'll see you tomorrow. And he says, what's your first name? And I said, David. And that man never forgot my name from that day forth till the day I, ah, I was like, this man is gold. And again, I was going up to an RDC uh, shortly after that, but the RDCs over here, I mean, I, I can't even begin to explain what they're like, some of them. 
And again, uh, the, it was uh, Aldi and Bathgate, and the boys were the best. They were the best. Like I would go in there on a Friday morning going, lads, I'm not booked till 11 o'clock. I know it's half six in the morning, but I need to get over and get a load on, get to the boat as early as possible. No problem. No problem, driver. If I've got a free bed. Now, it didn't work every time, but they worked with you. They treated you like a human being. And, and you know, if a man turned around to me and said, look, driver, I have no bed, but as soon as one comes available, that's all I need. I, I don't need preference over somebody else who's on a booking day. But I think that's that's basically where the normality comes into it. And if people treat you in another manner, like we've been discussing, you, you, you then will just answer that person the same way as they're speaking to you and more, you know? And I think that's the problem. Yeah, it's, diffi- it's d- d- difficult when they, when they um, be- behave, like, behave like that. It, you know, it's one of the things that it, it makes people, you know, it, it's... It's one of the bigger bigger downsides of the the industry. Once you get yeah. in the door and get it get into it, but, but I mean, there's not going back to the school thing and getting trucks into school. But certain companies, you do see that happening, little bits like here and there. But there's no value placed in uh, vocational qualifications and apprenticeships uh, at schools and that. Where that could be a route for you from a young age. But it seems like a lot of them, is, when you're leaving to go for an apprenticeship at like 16, if you're not going to university, and I've mentioned this in the podcast a number of times before, the schools don't seem to be very interested. They're just like, oh yeah, I just want to kick you out the door. But, but at like an age where they're like, yeah, you're obviously not, you know, you're, you're not a person who, you're a practical person. You're not somebody who works, you know, uh, in textbooks and documents and things like that. So we should have another route planned out for you, whereby you're going to go in and do, look into like doing mechanics or heating and plumbing or things like that, or going into logistics with driving and things. But there's no value uh, placed in any of that in the schools from, <laughs> what, I can, from what I can see. And the, 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 there should be. It's like a lot of the drivers of, of today have picked it up from going out with their dad uh, sort of um, uno- unofficially along the way. And that's just kind of purely by sort of um, chance, really, than by design with any of it. it so. Truck driving now has changed so much, and I mean so much, in the last, certainly in the last 40 years, but even in the last 20 years, you know, with technology and vehicles now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're on the borderline of electrification. And, you know, the, the responsibility of a truck driver is much more now than what it was. And plus also, what I, what, there's something there that everybody feels to, to, to recognize is when you put your car down in the morning, you have got 13 hours or you've got 15 hours, come what may, to do that day. And if you're working in a company where they're push, 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 push all the time, the mental strain on that alone is, is it's, it's demanding. It's very demanding, especially if you're away two weeks at a time or you're away a week at a time or whatever it may be. Or if not, you're still, you have to get back to the depot that day or you have to get back to your, your, your haulage yard that day. But I think there's still a stigma there from schools as we're speaking about but not just the schools from the general public that it's a big smelly truck and it's a big fat driver and that that's not the case and you know there's a lot of guys out there are now pushing for mental health and staying healthy with your food choices etc etc so uh, it, it is something that the school and the general public as a whole need to get on board with a bit more you know uh, the, the public thing is because anytime 
a truck stop's being built. You get the NIMBYs coming in, and it's like the truck stop's like five miles from their house, and they make up lies. But there was one yeah. that was kind of trying to build a 75-place truck stop. 75's not that big. No. Uh, and they're saying, oh, they're going to all drive through this village. And there were people posting up saying, no, we won't. That's not the route that we've taken. Like, we can't have that. All the trucks will come through here. And they come out with outrageous stuff like uh, the lorries are noisy and smelly and everything like that. I'm like, really? A Euro 6 lorry is neither noisy nor is it smelly. Uh, chances are it's cleaner than any of your cars in terms of the exhaust fumes that are coming out. People don't get that across, you know. I, 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 can, I can verify that because if I start... Uh, say let's let's take for example uh, 2004 FH12 whatever in in my garage you'll stay in there I'd say a maximum of uh, two minutes and you're opening the doors you're, you're you know what I mean you're switching the truck off whatever but I can start a Euro 6 engine and that truck can run in there for whatever you know I've, I've never really tried it to see how long it can stay in there you know but um you know, you you can stay in there for an hour in that truck. You can't even smell it. So I don't know where they're coming from with this argument. Trucks are cleaner now than they've ever been, ever been. So the way they say, oh, big, dirty, smelly truck and stuff like that and, and diesel fumes and this push for electrification, as much as I'm interested in it, it is something that's coming. That's undoubted. But I don't think... We're still. I still don't think we're ready for it. Don't nah, think we're not, at that point we're, yet. We're nowhere near ready for it. I, you know, I don't think diesel's going anywhere for like Arctic's and full weight haulage. You're going to have a mix of stuff. You're going to have electric trucks, but they're going to be distribution. They're going to be last That's mile right. stuff. Diesel's yep. not going anywhere because it is so efficient and yep. it's so clean now, and it's getting cleaner. And you're going to be really hard pushed to generate electricity that is actually overall cleaner than using the diesel fuel in the truck. The the manufacturers have done an incredible job now. Ten years ago, Mercedes, I think, were the first ones that kind of cracked 10 mile to the gallon. You were starting to see tens on a lot of jobs with the Actros, and then they kind of cut, people have caught up now, and now you're seeing trucks getting like 11, 12 miles to the gallon on jobs that like 20 years ago, they would have been getting eight and a half. So there's yeah, a phenomenal yeah. jump with that as well. But, you know, diesel, it doesn't fit the narrative. Um, so I, th- I don't yeah. know what's going to happen with, like, hydrogen in the future. Volvo and Daimler, like Mercedes, have joined forces to spend a huge amount of money uh, to work out sort of how to use hydrogen technology, which is a better solution than electric. But it takes a huge amount of electricity to make the hydrogen. So they're not there yet. Gas should be more of a solution, but it doesn't have the support. Gas is like chicken and, and egg. You know, you need to invest in the yeah. network first. But you know, but nobody's got the trucks. So I don't want to invest in the network. Well, I'd yeah, back and forth like that. Like gas is gas is completely gone in Scotland because BOC shut down the depots, and the government's not done anything to help or anything like that. So if you'd bought an LNG truck which is running on one hundred percent carbon neutral biofuel. Then you can't use it anymore because there's no fueling stations. Show for it. me an RDC or a roadside services that has twenty high-speed uh, electric charging points that can charge your truck in a forty-five minute break. Because ultimately, that's what it's going to be before it is efficient. And if you don't have that, then it's never going to work. I actually 
saw a company and I've been in contact with them and they're, they're called Design Works in Switzerland. Uh, I think it's pronounced Design Works, uh, DW Trucks. They're 60% owned by Volvo. And they have, uh, I have to do a bit more research on it. Uh, I was talking with a guy uh, within the company and he invited me over. So I think I will take a trip over because I like the look of it. It's a 6 before platform FH uh, Volvo. And they have a battery power plant put behind the cab. Now, if I've if I've read this right, it's they can get all their electrification for whatever charge the battery is. And then I am assuming that the truck drives back on its diesel engine, on its, which I think is a, a, a much more viable solution than complete electrification. Yeah, hybrid, you know? yeah. Oh, a hybrid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been too much in the way of truck hybrid technology and things. They're trying all sorts of different things. They've got they're trying this pantograph thing on part of the motorway network in England, where the thing's got like a bit, you know, it runs along like an electric wire, like a tram, and the oh. thing raises up for the top of the truck and everyone. Which like seems, Sweden. Yeah, it seems kind of expensive and complicated uh, in my in my view, especially with like how. But, uh, but you know, I, I they're, know. They're trying things. Some things will they'll experiment with, and then they'll go away again. And some things might sort of sort of come to stay. But it's a charging but, points network, and you know. Well, I'm not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination, but I would have always assumed that if you have a truck that can run off its own power, like a diesel engine. Surely, if you had a battery, like we have a battery and an alternator and a normal engine, surely we can charge these batteries as the truck drives, like a dynamo on a bike years ago, you know, only in obviously a more uh, complex state. But how come this is not a solution? It doesn't seem to be coming, coming up, Ad, because it would make a lot of sense with the trucks. Like, you know, it runs all the way down the motorway. Charges yeah. its batteries up, then it gets to London and it does 20 miles inside London on electric. <laughs> Then it comes That's back it. out, and then it goes and drives, and then it charges them up. But that doesn't seem, as far as I'm aware, that doesn't seem to be something that's um, happening uh, happening at the moment. Maybe it's down to the fact that it's got a diesel engine in it at all, because they've got these electric targets to go and hit, and maybe the diesel engine's just sort of bad, I'd news, say it's bad because, news with it. I don't know. I'd say it's probably because if the truck is uh, charging itself, then there's no need to charge at a charging point, and there's going to be no charge for electric there. I'd say that would be the ultimate way of it, but I'll not be worried about electrification for a while. I don't think. No, no, no. none of us. Well, I mean, they've got these mad arbitrary dates like 2030, 2035, and then this net zero nonsense in twenty fifty. I would like to see how they're going to get they're going to get on with that. What's going to happen in twenty fifty if we get to net zero and the planet's still getting a bit warmer and we still have hurricanes and things like that? Oh. What are they going to do then? That's uh, a bit crazy now, you know what I mean? Uh, no, they're off their the, the nuts, you know, doing conspiracy theory scams, the scams, you know, the bloody World Economic Forum and the plans for dominance and all that, you know. Yeah, Bad I know you can get caught in a trap with that. I don't know, we, we went off on a, a, a tangent there, you know. Oh, absolutely. Something. That's absolutely That's absolutely fine. I don't like structure. Rotating back, you were at, uh, was Mulgrew your last driving job on the road? No, I... Or did, I you went I, to, no, it was other, was it Ward? It was Ward, yeah. Ward, yes, because yeah, we had one of their lorries in the, 
uh, on the cover, the, the MAN, back two years ago, it was our Christmas issue with the MAN TGX and the cover from Ward. That's uh, right. So you were at Ward, but I mean, at round about that sort of point, where you're starting to formulate the plans quite seriously to set up the company. And I was going to ask, where does the name Drifter Style come from? Do you do drift cars? No. So the the name Drifter Style uh, basically came from my, my father's CB handle was the Drifter back in the day. And um, as everybody was, you know, the O'Neill's that had the bandit, there was the Nighthawk, there was the Salmon, there was uh, any amount of them. But my dad's handle was the Drifter. The old hands that worked with my dad, anytime they used to see me out and about in the lorry or whatever it is, they'd say, oh, well, young Drifter. I, you know, I took it as a compliment rather than anything else. And then so my my last truck, if you if you had ever seen it, the, the Scania, it had the Drifter on the windscreen and then i cleaned uh, the truck one day and somebody said that's drifter style and that was it then i i i always liked the name the drifter you know i like the well it's a lot better than the salmon i'm gonna say you know <laughs> hey there, there's a young salmon there you know <laughs> well, the, Mr. Salmon Mr. Caviar. <laughs> the salmon came about from a guy who became religious for a while and he was going against the flow. And that's, that's ah. where the salmon came from. You know what I mean? So I always like the stories behind the, 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 the CB good. hands. You I, know what I mean? I would, so, I would love for CB radios to make a comeback. So oh, big time, it would be so, they were the original social media network. And I think oh, it's so useful these days. It's only really sort of tipper boys that seem to use them, but they are useful. Uh, yeah, for things in that, uh, for for like live tr- incident information and relaying things. If you're going out to sites and things like that, and you're in first, and you've got guys behind you, you can like key in and then relay yeah, back. This sure. is where you need to go. This is what you need to look out for. And everything. And That's it's a right. shame that they're just so rare now. And of course, there is the fact that you can have a CB handle as well. Now, mm-hmm. but are, are, are absolutely. No, officially, are you allowed to choose your own CB handle? Or do you kind of like need to inherit it from other people, like a nickname? Because you get, uh, guys, you see the odd track, and guys, this has got a common one. You'll see a guy, and he's got a nameplate in the lorry, and it's Maverick, or yes, Iceman, or Snowman, <laughs> or Rubber Duck, and it's like, ah, no, 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 you, you've. You've chosen yeah. that name for yourself. You're not. You're not allowed yeah. that. You know. You know. You, you're probably. You know. You, if if like anybody had choice, you're probably Captain Haddock or something. You know. Oh, uh, <laughs> Captain Haddock. What would you call yourself, Dougie, if you were going to have a CB handle? Here now, uh, Robert Doug. <laughs> well, there you. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'll put that. I'll was, put that. Was, one, sort of put that out there. Aye. Put that. Yeah, know, I have to have the, a think about that. <laughs> There was another couple of guys. Uh, there was one, uh, Davy Holmes, uh, beside me here. Actually, would you believe it? Davy Holmes drove for the man, uh, James Nummy, who's sadly no longer with us. Uh, James owned uh, Nummy Transport. And he had the first intercooled F12 in, in Ireland. And she was a, a flat cab 12, obviously. Uh, and whenever Davy got his, his uh, CB handle, he called himself a supercooler. Which I always thought was was a really really cool handle. Having the first intercooled F12 in Ireland, you know, he was called the supercooler, and I just thought that's 
that's a cool handle, like you know. Uh, that, uh, that is, uh, you know. And they should just make CBs to have a comeback so we can all have handles and be like cool and that. I was watching a thing, a 70s American trucking documentary when they were like talking the CB language on it, and it's like, so it's oh, like, yeah. you, you can understand it's like, it would be indecipherable, people would not understand it at all when you're listening oh, to what they're doing because there's so much jargon in amongst it and all that. I've watched that much American sort of truck stuff over the years and all that that I could get your head around it, but there's so many different codes and everything uh, yeah. that, to understand. You know, a ten twenty two. You know, yeah. And he's gonna give me a five five smile and catch you on the flip. You know what I mean? Flip side and and I I actually I I, I got a sheet with the whole thing what it is, uh, and it gives you what what it means and stuff like that. You know, what the, the, and there's a brilliant Farland Husky has a fantastic song. Uh, me and OCB, and if you listen to it, it it's just a complete song of, of uh, CB jargon. You know, uh, now comb your hair. They're taking pictures down at twenty five. You know what I mean? Because comb your hair means there's a speed camera ahead. You know what I mean? And, and I I just love the old jargon. Like I mean, think about it. I guess I mean, you know, if you've got a guy coming up in a in a, 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 a I don't know I don't know. Brand new scanner, an S770, and it's done up to the balls. And there's some guy with a super cool uh, CV handle driving it, and it's on the side of it. It's going to make that truck a whole lot cooler. A whole lot cooler. Like my, my uncle drove uh, to the continent for years, and he had a handlebar mustache, and his, uh, his CV handle was Mexican. And there was another guy, big guy, big guy with a big beard. And I mean, he, he, just a big jumbly fella, and he was called the polar bear. You know what I mean? And, and I love the old handles. You know, it gives a, a certain character to the driver as well, yeah, you know, without even knowing them. You know, it should make a comeback. You know, I mean, going back to, I usually stuck a nameplate in the lorry with just Doogie on it, a number plate in the windscreen. Yeah. And the reason that I've done yeah. that, going back to people, bef- if you're going into places and all that, it tells people your name. So they're maybe less yeah, likely to yeah, call you driver. Yeah. You got driving yeah. a building site or something like that, or any place that you're delivering to, then they see your name straight away. And I'd find quite often that they would start calling me by my name from having the yeah. name plate in the window. And that's why I'd used it to, to keep it in there and that. Not to sort of tell the general public that it's Doogie who's yeah. driving this lorry, you know. Just keep, yeah, it's funny. On there, right? <laughs> when, when I went to Scotland, you, you don't really get called anything over here. They, they, they tend to just say, go down there or do this or do that. But I'm six foot three. And when I went to Scotland, uh, they used to just call me Biggin. <laughs> and it, took, yeah, like it took me a long time to work out what they were actually saying to me. I remember going into, uh, oh, what do you call that place in uh, Cumnock? Uh, oh, the Wood Place. The Fiber nah, Place, no? No, it was WKD. It did WKD. Oh, what, the vodka and, stuff? The yeah, yeah, right. Oh, no, I'm not in there, no. Used to, and the, the first day I went in, the, the guy said to me, All right, Megan, calm down there, uh, Ken. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't a clue what he meant. And he said it about three times, and then he said it real slow for me. All right, big one. Go down there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, right. <laughs> no, I get you. No, I get you. But I got that a lot out in Scotland, big and I've not. I think. Well, I'm only like sort of five ten. I'll never get that. Now and again, I would occasionally. Um, I would be. Uh, I would be assumed that I was foreign of some sort. All right. Know, in certain places and all that. So the the. the 
they would be like, go and talk to me slowly and all that because they thought that I was like, you know, from Romania or some for whatever reason and that. Eh? You know, it's like, do you understand? You're like, of course I do. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's all right. I'm not offended that you thought that I was fun. It was straight, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's all right. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I'll tell, tell, tell you what I did for the first time. I was in London the other week and I got the train down and it was mayhem on the train. And I got into London. As soon as I'm off the train, there's somebody asking me for a light. There's somebody asking me for money. There's another guy. And then this other guy, this guy comes up and he starts talking to me about something. And I just went, oh, no, no speak English. Did it work? I did. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, just kind of a bit bored. I must speak English. Hello, I like a yacht. Oh, no, 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 no. I tell you what, though, it worked. It left my list. Well, I, was, I, need to, I need to use that much more in the future. Just go, you were thinking on your feet. Habla no inglese. I'll probably end up messing it up and they'll, start, they'll speak back to me in fluent Spanish or something like that. And they'll be like, no, 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 he's been Dutch. Nine, nine. But I asked it. Ward. So you'd come off of Ward. They, 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 how did you get Drifter? So we've established we got, we got where Drifter style the name comes from. How did the company get set up? Because I think you had to go and find yourself a premises. And then were you kind of like, I think you must have been doing a, an amount of cleaning trucks for other people in the run-up to, the, run to this, so you were getting asked to do yeah. it quite a bit. So I, I had done Ward's truck and I'd done, a, well, I always kept my own truck in Ward's real clean. And I had started to do Saturday work. And um, then Q... Mr. MJ McGuinness, a very good customer of mine, a really good lad, passion. It's just, it's there with that fella. It's just pure passion for the trucks. He just loves it. And uh, I, I, I got a, a text message from him saying, would you come down and take a look at the truck? Or would, would, I, would I clean the truck? What kind of truck so, is it? It was the 164, is 164, uh, which is heavily customized, beautiful truck. And uh, I, I, I must admit, I panicked a little bit because I was like, wow, this guy wants me to clean his truck. Um, you know, I, I was, I had a certain amount of gear at that stage, but, you know, I, when I think back on it now, I had nothing compared to what I have now, but really and truly, it's like any trucker out there you've got five go-to items at any time in your cleaning box on the side of a truck it was the exact same as a detailer you've got five go-to items that basically you could detail a truck with but it's a whole lot harder to do it with those five items and than, than what you've got in your 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 cupboard slick but so i went down and see the mj i had given a price and i was like well it's make or break time so i either start off as i mean to go on with a serious price do a serious job and I went down, and that's that's what we did. Uh, I did that on the third of November two years ago, and uh, I came back from that. I seen, yeah, I could do this. I I, I like this. This is the, 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 there's. I got a perfect first customer. Let's face facts. The man was just dripping with pride and passion. 
every step of the way, you know, just loved it. And, and, and I loved it because of that, because I'm passionate about it as well. So then, uh, just by pure chance, I used to collect four wards out of uh, uh, Smet, which is Jimmy Nomi's old yard. And I had known the owner of Smet, yours, uh, really well uh, over the years. Uh, he married a local girl. He's actually a Dutch man, and he married a local girl beside me. And when when I, I I think I came in one day and yours said to me, he says, are you you're looking to go into the cleaning? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he offered me a big massive shed that he has for storage. And his idea was maybe, you know, you could take a corner of the shed and you could do what you want. And I looked at it and I was like, no, this isn't going to work because it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, dust with his uh, business. And, and I was like, no, it's not going to work. And, then he goes, well, what about the other side uh, where Jimmy used to uh, mechanic the, the trucks and stuff and the trailers over the years? And uh, so I went in and looked at it. And I, and I just seen what I have today. It was five years out of use at that time. It was dusty, dirty. It, it was a working mechanics garage. And I knew it was going to take a little bit of time to get it up to scratch, but I knew it was there. And we spoke to Jimmy and Jimmy gave us a the blessing and, and 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 yours was delighted with it as well and and then that's how the dream was uh, sort of came to fruition and it was a case of I was still driving for wards and uh, I knew I, I sort of knew every company I've ever went to I I seen well I would do that differently and I would do this differently and I knew then that. I need to start out on my own. At least give it a shot. If I get it wrong, I can always go back to the driving. And I I left on my first customer in the in the yard. I did cars for a while. I never wanted to do cars, but I did cars anyway, just to get me noticed. And then the lorries just started and they started and they came and they came and they came and they came and, they came and, and now we're, we're two years as I said down the line so that's how we made the jump you know so in terms of the, the lorries that you were getting in where did it is it like owner how does it come about is it like owner drivers like have you got guys that have run in trucks for like sort of, sort of small to medium fleets and they can just be like hey boss can I go and take my truck into drifter style or go and get it like fully detailed or so things how does it yeah, we, we at the very start, we had uh, basically owner drivers. Uh, and then the next thing it started to be, these guys were bringing their trucks in paying for them their, themselves, which I was astounded by. You know, I was like, my goodness, this is, this is unreal. You know what I mean? Again, back to whenever I first started, I would never have thought that somebody was going to pay for this. And now we've had uh, trucks from... Scotland, as far as Inverness and Manchester, and uh, there's a couple more coming in from the mainland. I actually got a, a, a an inquiry from Holland, and that's where I, I aim to go to. I aim to go right to the top. That the Dutchmen are coming to me, the Norwegians, whatever it is. I don't. I don't mind. The way I see it's this: if you look at it from a European perspective, with a say special interior, go in style. Uh, solar guards, uh, all those boys, you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're top of their game. And they're top of their game and people come to them because they're top of their game. And that's where I aim to be, top of the game. 
going forward in the future, there, one of my customers said, I'm not asking Drifter Style to clean my truck. I'm asking David Henning to clean my truck. And that is where I, I would love to expand the business. But we can only expand the business if we're teaching people to clean the truck the way I clean the truck. <laughs> and that's, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a very hard thing to do. I, I can't go to some boy and go, right, that chassis needs done. And if he doesn't do that chassis the way I want it done, then it's not done. There. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to have to do it. You know what I mean? So I think the way to, 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 to do it is stay, stay niche. And that's how we're going to do it. We're going to just stay niche and maybe d- diversify in different parts. Like uh, I, I, I import uh, Solar Guard exclusive truck parts from Holland, visors and splitters and wind deflectors and so forth. And that's something that I could maybe put somebody onto in the future. You know what I mean? And let me remain at the cleaning, you know? The trucks that you, that you get in, uh, do you, I mean, obviously you'll have trucks at the sort of high end, which are like show trucks, which are guys that want to like sort of make concours and things. But do you get, yeah. do you get like a sort of scale of trucks or do you get somebody who's just like maybe bought something or they've got yeah. it and it's kind of just sort of average and they're, they're like, you know, can you go and bring this yeah. up? To, is that a scale yeah. for me? If you bring something up to a really kind of high standard, does it then kind of up to them once you've got it there in the first place? Well, they kind of then to tend to, you know, it's up to them to kind of try and maintain it at a kind of high level as well for as long as they can before it would come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So once once I get that truck back up to what, what I would call my standard, then it's obviously up to them. Now, I can give them tips and, and, and direction in what way to do that, like, you know, to use pH neutral products. And I have a fantastic supplier beside me here, Stephen Pollard. Stephen Pollard with the Volvo. Yeah, the FM Volvo. Yeah, Stephen. His, his truck might be in this issue of the magazine as well. Oh, brilliant! We're, 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 Volvo had photographed that truck, and yeah. there was a bit. I've got a freelance writer sorting out and everything. There was a bit of to and fro, and some emails got uh, chucked into a spam bin, I think, and there was a yeah. bit of a delay with it. But um, we have got that in, uh, that in stock. Uh, the AutoSmart guy. Um, yeah, so Stephen's a if, really good friend yeah. of me. Well, if they call, so, um, I will say to him then because <laughs> um, yeah. if we can get if we can get the copy in quick enough, I'll get it into this issue, so you can be in the same issue okay. the magazine together. Aye. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> That's brilliant. I have to give a big shout out to Stephen because that man. I I, I don't know where I'd be without him at the very start, starting up and and even today, still invaluable. Always answers the phone. Nothing is ever a challenge to that man. He's a machine, an absolute machine. And Mickey, his uh, his driver, and uh, they, they, Mickey's the best. You know, the boys come in there. There's never an issue. There's always a smile. Never a problem with with the products and and great advice. Brilliant advice from the boys. Uh, so with with Stephen there, I can then advise the customer when I get it to a certain level. Right, okay, use this product, use that product here. I sell this product here. That product there, I don't sell. You can get that down to Stevie's. So it is up to the customer then to keep it right. Uh, as such, I have been against the ceramic coating on trucks. It's not that I'm against it. I, I, I think it's a fantastic product. But if you're taking a truck, say, you've talked about a building site there. You know, some lads are... Uh, 
like let's just take VM for example, big Glen Chambers truck, fantastic looking 770. But Glen has to go to building sites every now and again. And uh, some of BM's trucks are building sites all the time. If you're going on there with a ceramic coating in that truck and some lunatic's coming past you in the nape wheeler the other way, and, you know, th- there's stones going everywhere, and there's there's heavy dust and sludge and stuff like that, that's eating into that ceramic coating. And that's why I don't want to, just for the sake of going, yeah, come on in, I'll charge you stupid money to put a ceramic coating onto your truck. Just to say that I've done it. So just, to, clar- just to clarify, what is the, the ceramic coating? It's a polishing treatment which you put on, so you apply to the paint, you, and then it's kind of semi-permanent sort of thing. Yeah, so it's semi-permanent. You can get you can get two years and four and five and eight year coatings, and what that does is basically, if you can imagine, it's a very fine layer of lacquer as such if it even is to be described that way. But it locks in the shine. It leaves beading. But the only way to get that off is through machine polishing again. You know what I mean? So if a man is saying to me, right, there's my truck, there's my pride and joy, buff it up, put a ceramic coat on it. You buff that up, you put a ceramic coat on it. Through time, it starts to fade, and that man then brings out uh, the rags and he tries to polish that up by hand. It's not going to polish up. It's not. It has to come back to me or it has to go to somebody who can machine polish that off and bring it back up to, to, to scratch again, you know, to get back into the paint, to give life into the paint. And that's why I just don't do that. Now, I did the last truck I did there for uh, for Stuart McKee is beautiful 660, beautiful truck. Uh, I gave a, a Geon coat, which is a one-year coating. Uh, but realistically, that, that only lasts six months. So I said to Stuart, right, let's put this on, trial it out over the winter time, uh, and it'll get you through the winter. And then come into the new year, ready for show season, bring her back in. We'll get our buff back up. And we'll just wax her then for the summertime. And, you know, you're working with your customer. You're, you're, you're bringing your customer back as a repeat customer. But you're not doing it in a manner where you're hoodwinking them. You're not doing it in a manner where you're literally just saying, yeah, bring it in here. I'll charge you thousands of pounds to do a ceramic coating. And the lorry's going to look a mess in two or three years' time, you know? You when you started off, you didn't have much in the way of like uh, equipment and things. How much? What sort of scope of equipment and um, variety of products have you now got? You know, have you got all sorts of management of um, polishing things and little brushes to get into stuff? And you know, I think there must be all sorts of different things to really get into all the various bits of the chassis and get the finishes that you want and to you know revive stuff that's maybe faded and tarnished and, and things like that. But, well, believe it or not. Actually, when it comes to the chassis, unless you have tanks removed and you've got mud guards removed and so forth and so on, there's very little of it you can machine polish. You can machine polish the tops of it and so forth and so on. And it is back down to old school. Get the rags out and you get in. And it's it's down to then how how meticulous you are. And and I am meticulous. And that's why the chassis to me. It's it's the ultimate goal. If you can get your chassis right, the problem is if you take say a, a production vehicle like a just say an FH five brand new straight off the shelf, the finish in that chassis is a satin finish. You take a truck 
like whoever's uh, again, we'll just take Glens for example. You know that truck has been painted, the chassis has been painted on it. Actually, I'm not sure if Glen did get the chassis. I'm not. I'm not sure on that there. But if I take a uh, whatever, if a man paints a chassis and it's a gloss finish, it's much easier to maintain and clean that chassis than it is a factory finished chassis. But if a customer comes to me and he's looking at that chassis done, well, you have to clean that chassis. But as far as equipment goes, uh, the sky's the limit. It, it really is the sky's the limit. Uh, and there's there's certain tools I couldn't do without. I've got a you know a one, two, three, five inch uh, machine polisher, uh, and then we've got our uh, flexi cable for our flex uh, uh, XP three. And and that allows me to get into behind the door handles, along the roof gutter rail, you know, underneath the air horns, behind uh, wind kits and so forth and so on. And there, there, there really are tools there that they're fantastic. You know what I mean? They're they're really cool to work with. I run all flex, all flex. That's all I use. All flex. Uh, but what is that like? Flex. The magnet, yeah. flex. Yes, yeah, brand, brand name of the polishing equipment. Uh, the polish equipment. What uh, I use flex, uh, like the machines. Is that a flex machine? That's what you call them. Yeah, yeah. FLEX is the machine. Uh, my my go to every time is Zephyr uh, polish, but I'm using heavily now Spazer for my my cotton. Uh, How do you spell that? Z V I Z Z E R. Z V I Z Z E R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Z V Z. How you say that? Zweiser. 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 It's German stuff. I see. Zephyr polish. I was going to ask as well. Do you have any? Do you have any sort of recommend for anybody that's sort of listening in in that as well? Because I was going to ask is as well. I think that there's guys out there who have their truck and they would really they would like to get into sort of taking more pride in it and cleaning yeah. it and things as well. But you know, it, they're maybe a little bit sort of dissuaded from from it because they're, they're sort of worried that they, they might not get it right and they might not yeah. get the finish of it. Because when you go and do something like that on a truck as well, for whatever reason some other drivers take issue with it. You know, there's guys oh, that, yeah. there's guys that get an arse on because you've decided to go and clean your lorry. So his one's, sitting, right. his one's sitting there and his Durabrites are all brown and grey because he's not yeah. washed them since he's got the thing. And you've cleaned them up and made it all tidy. And he's like, he's like, what are you doing that for? You know, you're not paid to do that. Isn't it? You're like, well, it's uh, it's none of your business. How <laughs> about that? Yeah. You know, but you do, you, you do, you're kind of putting yourself out there by taking pride in your truck. That's right. So you know, That's I think right. I think there's some guys that are like, oh, I would like to go, you know, I would like to go and like give it more of a polish and get the tank shined up and things. And but you know, they're just a, maybe a, a bit a bit concerned, a bit nervous about going going and doing it because of the potential for you know uh, cantankerous twats to go and like say That's bad it. things well, about it. So you know, if you need any little, little sort of basic tips for for anybody who's seeking, you know, make a make a start, and, you know, um, taking some pride in their vehicle and things, you know, I can give you a little one tip, which is 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 key to anything. The, the most important thing in cleaning a lorry is the wash. The wash is is the most important thing because. If you don't have the truck washed right, 
doesn't matter what you do to that truck. When you finish it, it'll not look clean. So if I was to give anybody advice starting out to the want to get their truck clean again and they the want to take a bit of pride on it, you can start straight away with your windows. If you have your windows clean, your truck will automatically start to look clean. Keep your number plate clean. Keep your taillights clean. And then that'll start to give you pride because them things you can clean even on a winter's day when your truck is absolutely bogging. If you keep your taillights and your, your log vehicle signs and stuff clean, it gives you that certain bit of pride. But like I say, you know, 65% of it is, is in the wash. Get the wash right and then take your, uh, to detar the truck, detar the truck, which will take a lot of the, the feeling whenever you put your hand on the truck again then after it uh th- th- there'll be you know it'll, it'll feel nice and smooth yeah uh, so there would be that and then you know just you, you don't have to go for expensive polish it doesn't need to be expensive polish but if you just have polisher when you polish the truck up and my personal preference for that would be the zephyr uh, pro 32 and the reason why i say that is because you can go over blacks with it you know, the, the blacks of the mirror arms or, or a bumper or whatever it is, and you're not going to uh, get that white chalky effect. So the Pro 32, and then just select your tires. And if you've got your windows clean, your paintwork clean, and your tires slick, your truck's going to look a million dollars better than what it was before you started off. And you can do those things in a very simple step. Wash your truck, dry it, detar, polish Dress your tires, clean your windows, and your truck's going to look a million dollars. Mm, brilliant. Uh, so you mentioned there you had Zephyr and the Svizzer polish yeah. as well. Uh, is there yeah. any, any other sort of products you can think uh, yeah, of? Well, uh, kind of a couple of essentials or anything like that? Autosmart. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Autosmart is my... Uh, Autosmart would be the workhorse of the, of the whole operation, followed by, by Pfizer because it's the cutter. Uh, you know, I, I use it for cotton, and then uh, you know, the wax. Look, you can go in the wax. The sky is the limit with wax. You know, you go to Swiss wax. I mean, you pay five hundred pound for a pot if if that's what you so wish. But I use an auto smart wax, which I find is for me personally. It's every bit as good as what's out there. But you really can go. Is that the, no, is that the Carnu the Carnuba wax? Yeah, just, yeah, I've got that. I've got that there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, it's uh, yeah, the Auto Smart one. Yeah, well, quite, quite yeah, just, get, I, that's right. That's right. Well, got, what I, I find like is, if you look at the the content of the Carnuba Enowax, uh, then it gets it gets the higher the Carnuba, the better the wax really. And uh, so, if you look at the ingredients of, of what you're using. You'll, you'll you'll see that in it. Ah, you're always smart. I mean, that's always a good solution for stuff. That's um, a lot of the stuff I've got. Is, um, auto smart, like a bit, yeah. of G, like a bit G one hundred one. The magic stuff in that, eh, just bleeds G- out <laughs> everything. Yeah. G one hundred one is is a fantastic product, uh, and you you just need to be a wee bit careful with the G one hundred one. You know, uh, leave it on too long, and you'll find yourself a bit of difficulty. Uh, but I've got. You know, there's products there that I've got and had I had them when I was driving the truck or if I had the knowledge of them whenever I was driving the truck, it would have made my life a whole lot easier, you know. But, I mean, 
when I remember back to to driving, uh, I bought a power hose, a battery powered power hose at the very end. Uh, I still have it actually. And I mean, that just made my life so much easier. I could park up and, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that business park? I used to park it a lot uh, where Malcolm's is. Uh, oh, it's at Linwood. No, no, uh, New House, New House. Up oh, yeah, New House. Yeah, yeah, I know that, Eurocentral, yeah, yeah. And I would park up there and I would uh, get the truck clean and stuff like that. And if I had the products that I have now, my God, my truck would have been even cleaner, you know. But I suppose all these things come with time, you know. Say, I wanted to get my truck uh, into you. Do you offer like a certain, like a, a variety of services that like you can go for the full everything? Or you can come in and yeah. say, you know, uh, you know, I've got this red truck and it's gone about pink and things, you know, it's been washed with TFR too much. Can you just sort out the paintwork on the cab? Absolutely, yeah. If a man, it, it all depends on what a man wants. But the, the, the thing about when a, when a truck comes in to me, straight away it's a day's wash. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's brand new, whether it's old, whatever it is, that truck will be in the wash for a day or more. Uh, if they want the whole package, it's usually two days in the wash because you have to do, you know, engine underneath, uh, top, bottom, whatever. And the first day, what I like to do is I'll get into the pit and I'll start washing. And when it dries overnight, I'll, I'll wash it all, but then I'll come in the next day and then I'll go over what, what whenever the vehicle is dried out, I can see what I've, I've missed as such. And then you'll start into the, the, the polishing process. If, uh, if, if the truck needs uh, stainless done, which I hate, I hate, I absolutely hate it, but sometimes, yeah, you know, your, your, your tanks or your, um, uh, sorry, not stainless, your aluminium parts, like, uh, uh, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm, the the if you if you've seen a picture of me after I've done tanks or whatever it is, I mean a coal miner would have been cleaner. You know what I mean? It's it's desperate and the place is a mess and so forth and so on. But it's just part and parcel of the job. If it needs done, it needs done, and that's that. So I would usually start with it, and what I would do then is I'd pull the truck outside again, let the wind blow whatever it is off it, and uh, usually take the air hose to it. I'll clean and tidy the shed up and then bring the truck back in and then I'll start with the polishing, cutting the paint down and getting it, uh, you know, brought back to the shade. So there's 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 always a week's work in it. No matter what boys want, there's usually a week's work in it, you know. And I'm, again, being from a trucking background myself, I'm acutely aware that downtime is key for that truck and for the company. Uh, so I always try and do it as best I can, as quick as I can, without losing the, the you know, quality. Quality is key on every part of the game. So I've seen myself actually walking away from it earlier and coming back to it the next day because you start to, you, you tend to miss bits if you're tired and you're feeling lethargic or whatever it is. I I always had, when Jimmy was alive, 
Jimmy used to come in and say, David, you missed a bit there or that bit. And at the very start, the first day he said to me, I remember going to myself, why did he say that to me? Like, you know what I mean? I'm in here working hard. But he was only just passing judgment or passing comment. And then I actually grew to to the point where I used to say to him, Jimmy, come in here and take a wee look at that because he was meticulous. He was meticulous. And uh, the, uh, that has continued in the yard with, with uh, yours. Yours is meticulous with everything that he does. And that then, with me being meticulous, everything just gels together in the yard. It's, it's, it's brilliant, you know? Is there sort of... Is there, um, uh, is, do you have like a sort of diary booking then? Do you tend to take them in sort of one oh, truck yeah. at one truck, it's sort of one truck in, one truck out, sort of and focusing on sort of yeah. one project at a time? Absolutely, yeah. So, boys will phone me and you go into the diary, which is sitting beside me here. Uh, and for one thing or one reason or another, if boys can't get in, I'll reshuffle it about. And I, I've never, thanks be to goodness, I've never had a problem with, uh, you know, whenever there's cancellation comes up or whatever it is. Now, there's, there's people there, and you know they're going to be messers. You just know they're going to be messers before I even put it in the book. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm putting that person in the book. But for the most part, uh, guys that can't turn up, there is a legitimate reason, you know, whether more loads have come on, or whatever it is, you know, I know that, that the haulage industry is very fickle. And, you know, I had one customer actually uh, who the lorry booked in. And normally he has three loads out to Europe, three loads back in. And the week that the truck was meant to come to me, the week before and that week, he had six loads out and six loads back in. So, you, you, you know, you have to make hay when the sun shines. And I know that. But as long as people give me notice then that's perfectly fine. Within reason, it's perfectly fine. You know, I don't want to be saying here, it's perfectly fine, boys in the future just turn around and go, oh yeah, we've got six loads coming in next week and I can't get the lorry in. You know, if that was the case, you would have to introduce, uh, I don't know, a cancellation fee or something like that. But thanks be to goodness, uh, for the most part, I don't get that. Boys are looking to get their truck in, get it clean, get it out, you know? So, Is, is there any particular truck that you're proud of, that you've brought back from, sort of, you know, some that was in a pretty rough condition that you've um, sort of transformed? Is there any one that, you know, stands out? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think off the top of my head because most of them that come in are sort of half. Yeah, well, I tell you, at the very start, I got two X. Continental trucks from a large uh, refrigerated haulier over here in the south, and I mean, I have never seen, I've never seen trucks in a state like it in my life inside. I did two of them uh, interiors, and I mean, there was prawns under the seat of one of them, and there the guy used to obviously lay on the bed at nighttime smoking cigarettes and just stubbed it out and put the cigarette behind his head. So when I took the bed out of this Volvo FH, I mean, it was just... Ah, that's nuts. Uh, you do uh, get uh, guys who genuinely, it's like the hot box, the truck. Now, if you're going to... Oh, people smoke. Is it, uh, I'm not saying you should do it, but if you're driving down the road with the window open, smoking a cigarette, most of it's going to go out the, going to go out the yeah. window and it's not going to turn the headlining yellow and things. Oh, but you do man. actually get guys... Who, now I saw an Iveco Stralis once on an AM Philip, which was coming in to have the interior replaced because it had gone out um, 
on higher demonstration, it was an all black, or like an limited yeah, edition yeah, thing. Yeah, and whoever yeah. had had it must have just, like you said, lay in the bunk at night with all the windows shut and chain smoked cigarettes, all the roof lining, all the panels and everything were yellow Brown. and like sticky. Yeah. And it, oh, like there were people that come in, come and see this, wait till you see the nick of this, you're going to look at the car. And it cost them thousands to go and replace the interior of this, like not even a year old Stralis. Because well, people somebody... sat and smoked in the cab like that. It's like, oh. oh man, when somebody smokes inside a cab, I, you, you obviously know as soon as you're mm-hmm. in the door and you look up and what have you. So I'll go in and spray my, spray my detergents uh, on the roof line and, and then I come out because it starts raining brown rain. Oh, uh, the G1. Uh, you know, yeah, you can see spray uh, G101 and stuff like that and it bleeds out the fabric. It's oh, awful. Man. <laughs> I, 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 I keep on meaning to do it. My, my social media presence is, is pictures and stuff like that, but I have thought about going down the road of uh, GoPro on me and starting to film it and so forth. Absolutely. So I think you would do well out. I think you'd do well out yeah. that. And it's quite... <clears throat> You can. It's pretty. There's some pretty good apps and everything for going like stitching video together as well. I use something yeah. called UCut Pro, which I can do it all yeah. on my phone, and it's dead easy to go and do it. But I think. Yeah, What's I think it called? You, 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 UCut. Are you an Android? Are you an Android or Apple? Apple. Right. You need uh, iMovie. You can do iMovie on oh, your I phone. Have. I've it's, got it, it, on I, for for Android, you can get it on your phone. You, but I use UCut Pro on Android, and it's so iMovie's the same. Just to stitch things together and keep it like simple, yep. you can put title cards and everything on it. But I think what you're doing that would lend itself really well to to YouTube, but like before and after things and that, you know, to some yeah, some time yeah, yeah. some time lapse stuff and everything like that. You know, I think you would do all right with that. I think you can monetize it as well after a while. Yeah, and there's somebody needs to uh, inform me about this monetizing thing, like because uh, I want to get start getting uh, stuff sent to me for free and stuff like that, you know, and trailing this out and all. You know, Aye, but, uh, you, you, would ima- you would imagine that cleaning <coughs> companies would would get in touch. Now, YouTube, after you've got a thousand subscribers, you can monetize it, and then you'll get paid oh, every right. month off the ad revenue from Google. Um, oh, you right. could start doing some of the I mean, some of the guys that are getting big views must be making thousands a month off it. And that, you know, well, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, when I clean the interior of a truck, if if I showed somebody mm-hmm. what comes out of the head cloth of the truck and you empty that over out, yeah. uh, I mean, it's just absolutely yeah. muck, right, and mean, that's the head cloth. Right. I mean, I watch a video. There's a guy I'm subscribed to that goes and there kills wasps in America. He goes in and removes wasp's nest. Every video, half a million views, because showing what wow. sort of, all that sort of stuff. And I think there's, def- there's definitely scope for that with the tr- with the trucks, um, all the different elements to it. Because the trucks themselves are interesting, potentially the, the bit of the story behind them as well, and also the process that you're going through to bring it from point A to point B at the end of it. I definitely do that, and it's so it's not hard to you don't have you don't have to use in, in immensely complicated programs to go and stitch all these clips together and add bits and pieces to them so i would i would love to uh, <laughs> to, do, to do that mm-hmm. and then you know make ideally what i would like to do is to do exactly what we're speaking about right now and then mm. you know create the brand mm-hmm. the drifter style brand to go across the planet mm. uh, that's what would be the ultimate goal but I don't know whether uh, that's going to happen or not. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're on your way. Uh, 
I know we spoke beforehand and all that. Uh, what's what's next in store um, for Drifter Style going forward into 2023? 2023, we've got big news on the 7th and the 8th of October. Uh, it is the 7th and the 8th of October, or else the 8th and the 9th. It's the 7th and 8th, whatever, whatever it is, uh, October, uh, will be the first Drifter Style show in the uh, Econ Centre in uh, the Maze, which is 20 minutes from Belfast. Uh, you're right beside Hillsborough there. And, uh, the Econ Centre. Econ, E I K O N. Econ Center. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pronounced Icon or uh-huh. Econ. Uh-huh. I, I can't remember. I, I can never remember. So, the Drifter Style Show. Now, there's, there's Drifter Style Truck Show. There's a Drifter Style Truck Show. Yeah. So, what's um, all coming along with that? Is this like going to be trucks which you have worked on? No, well, well, to an element of an element of it. Yeah. Um, what, what, what have you got coming along? Is it like indoor, outdoor? What's that? It's all indoor. Ooh. It's a completely indoor show. Uh, it's it's uh, invite only, uh, and it's going to be two trucks per company, and that way then it eliminates that it becomes a particular company or where you know they've got whatever how many trucks there. Uh, and it opens up the platform then to a whole lot more. Uh, the, what this is going to be, it's going to be a high-end show. And by that, I mean it is for the boys with the bling. It is for the boys who have spent the thousands and, and what have you. But it's not solely just because boys have spent thousands. What I want more with this show is to offer is to showcase trucks in all their beauty, if you're into trucks, if you're not into trucks, to come to the show and to look at it and go, wow, that's impressive. That is impressive, that truck. You know, I mean, if you've got, say, uh, just for example, uh, Malcolm's new version 5 Bulldogs. I mean, yeah. whether you like the truck, mm-hmm. whether you don't like the truck, you're, you cannot help but look at that truck and go, wow, that thing's impressive. And also to a person who's nothing to do with trucks, if they come in and they see a truck like that, they're going to go, wow, that's that's unbelievable. Look at how clean it is. Look at the size of it, blah, blah, blah. But I also want to promote Northern Ireland as and Ireland as a whole. Uh, we've got some fantastic trucks over here, some seriously cool trucks, you know, and, and I want to promote that. I want to promote that this island on the edge of Europe has got some of the top trucks in Europe. And then we're going to hopefully entice uh, some of the European boys over. At the minute, we've, I've already got uh, Armin uh, Zuckerchen, who is that beautiful custard-colored F-16, and uh, Patrick, the driver, uh, he drives the 540. Two beautiful trucks, and those boys are are busting to come over for the show, which is brilliant, and I'm, I'm absolutely indebted to them for, for for wanting to come over. But that's what I want. I want guys to come to this show that have pure passion, pure passion for the game, for the trucking world, and it's not about. There's going to be trophies, yes, but it's not about. It's about taking part. The damn boys when they're locked in there at night time. And they're having their parties, they're having their drinks, they're having their whatever it is. We're 
My last customer there, Connor Jennings, is a 570 Avico, an ex uh, Formula One, Ferrari Formula One 570. Oh, yeah. yeah, no Connor, no. Yeah, well, the, the truck is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And I want boys coming to this show that even though they're driving their V8 or their F16 or their whatever it is, their big DAF or whatever it is, that they see and give the likes of Connor in in uh, in, in the Avico or somebody in a Mercedes or somebody in a Man Diesel or somebody in a Renault, they're all one. They're all there, that their trucks are done up, their trucks look a million dollars, and that's what it's about. It's not about what you're driving. It's not about what you take home pay. It's nothing to do with that. It's just really showcasing the, 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 the trucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Not exciting stuff. That sounds like it'll be a really good one, eh? Get that yep. mark, mark down in the mark down in the diary for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I think we've cracked on nearly an hour and a half here, eh? This is a bumper sized yeah. podcast episode. Eh? Really, pleased with, really <laughs> pleased with the way that's going. I don't think is there, is there anything is there anything else you, you want to mention or go over? I think we've skipped over anything. I think we've been no. we've covered pretty much we've covered pretty much everything and all that. There's some good detail and advice in there. We've got you know the history yeah. going going back about how you got into it and all that, and we've got some you know yeah, we, we, we've discussed a few interesting points about sort of the industry and everything in general. Yeah, perfect. No, I'm, so, I'm more than happy. More than happy. I just uh, I'm delighted that I'm on a pod- podcast for truck and driver, especially as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I growing up. I I didn't get paid pocket money. I got paid in that I got the magazines. Hey. So when I cleaned the truck, I got Truck and Driver, uh, Truck and International as it was then. And uh, I, I think Commercial Motor at the time, but we had a magazine over here, Export and Freight as well. So I would have I would have got all the magazines for, for payment, you know. And still to this day, every time I see the Truck and Driver brand, when I go into a newsagent, it's still that. That that child of me is like, oh yeah, let's get the magazine, let's get the magazine, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I think that that's uh, that's gone really well there. So I'm going as I say, David's feature is in the next issue of the magazine. We've got a new one coming out on Friday, which may be today when this podcast is released. I'm not sure. It's the 18th of November. Four weeks after that, the January issue, uh, the last one of 2022. David's in there as the editor's choice feature in the magazine, so make sure you pick that one up. Um, you're a busy man. I shall let you crack on and get back to um, making those trucks uh, especially clean. And I'll catch Thank you, you very soon. Much. Cheers. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, take care. Thank you Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.